Did you see that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle just got a show? Yes. Like there's people that are really into the royal family and kind of seeing what's going on. So if that's you, you're obviously going to listen to this podcast. Or avoid it completely because I don't, are they officially members of the royal family anymore? <laughs> Depending on if you're team queen or team Harry. Yeah, I feel like they've been unroyaled. <laughs> I don't have any like special respect for the royalty. We founded this country so we wouldn't have any, but <laughs> I just felt weird to say they're celebrities. I mean, they're no Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is our final episode of Buzzcast for 2020. Is that right, though? Doesn't our next episode drop on the 31st? I think our next episode's going to be on the 1st. This year flew by. Feels like March still. I think you're the only one that feels that way, Kevin. Maybe. It's weird. Kevin's right. It's like, it's somehow still March. And also it's been a decade. Like we're going to look back on it and be like, oh my gosh, so much happened that year. And also it just feels like I still haven't left this house since March. (laughs) Yeah. My wife and I just started a new, uh, we're going to start doing P90X together. I got to work off my COVID-19 that I gained this year from, uh, self-quarantining in my house with my uh Did you just call like a freshman 15 you just called it your covid 19 that's right that, that, that's accurate yes i don't know if it's like pc for you to be making jokes about that travis well <laughs> my 19 pounds that i gained is no laughing matter needless to say the global pandemic touched every single part of our lives and definitely had an impact on podcast listening especially back in march because i remember when we were doing episodes back in march you know, people are asking about, you know, hey, my listener numbers are way down. Is that normal? Is everyone seeing that? And so I remember we dug into our stats to see kind of the impact that people staying at home, not traveling, not commuting, not going to the gym anymore was having on podcast listening. So what do you guys remember from that March, April, May time frame as far as the impact on podcasting? Well, I definitely remember, I mean, it all switched like in a minute stats started going way down and we kind of attributed it to a lot of people's habits being broken. Um, I wasn't driving into the office, still not. And before then had an hour of drive time every day, mostly a bit more than that. And driving into the office and back, I listened to most of my podcasts. And then I realized that I'm looking at my podcasting app and all of a sudden I had like, 30 episodes to listen to where normally I'm running on empty where I'm just listening to things right as they came out. And it took a while for me to figure out which shows I was going to drop and which shows I was like, Oh, when am I going to actually listen to these? Mostly now I just listen on runs. But um, yeah, I definitely remember that when we just started this, seeing this huge dip and it was definitely a bummer for a lot of podcasters. Yeah. Well, at the same time that individual shows, their numbers were dipping a bit, the number of podcasters jumping in and starting to create new podcasts was growing like exponentially. Yeah. Skyrocketing. Yeah. And so when, yeah, absolutely. Back in March, I've got some numbers pulled up in front of me back in March, April uh, and May on an individual show basis, numbers were down, but for the Buzzsprout like platform overall, numbers were up and climbed a lot throughout the year. So like just to put some numbers to what I'm saying, in, in March, we did 29.5 million downloads. In April, 32.4 million. May, 41.3. June, 45. 
July 53, August 59, like this, it just keeps ticking up and up and up and up and up. And so while individual shows might've been down, the number of podcasts were growing. And I like, that's the part that I've been struggling to wrap my head around because was podcast listening overall down or was this about uh, more diversity, more options, more shows in the podcast space and uh, listeners spreading their listening time out um, uh, amongst more shows? You know, I don't know. That's a question that I'm trying to dig into now, looking at some of these numbers and figure out. Overall, I think the actual number of podcast listens did go down, especially during March and then April. And at the same time, we saw the number of people signing up to create a podcast nearly double. Um, month over month. And when that happened, I think that, that that further depressed the amount of listeners that people were already getting. All of a sudden, there's all these new shows to listen to. And all of a sudden, people don't have as much time to listen. And now it's leveled back out a lot. Of, you know, quite a few of those shows have kind of, they started when they were in lockdown. And now they've kind of moved on you know, maybe podcasting wasn't for them. And then you've got a lot of other people who, like me, their listening habits were disrupted. And then they started figuring out, oh, I can listen on more on runs. I'll listen to podcasts from cooking dinner and kind of coming up with different times in the day to listen. Yeah, I would also not be surprised if the sudden influx of new podcasters also introduced new people to podcast listening. I mean, I think this is something that year over year is always happening where Edison Research comes out with these polls about, you know, this percentage of Americans have listened to a podcast in the last month and like all these data points and it continues to grow. And so I would not be surprised if as more people started podcasts, they started telling their family and friends about their particular podcast, which introduced them to podcasting as a whole. And then the long tail of that three, four five months later is that they're not just listening to their friend's podcast that they started during quarantine, but they're also now discovering other shows. So, so I could see how those numbers, while on the surface could seem counterintuitive, actually, actually do make sense. Yeah, I think in the short term, they're kind of stealing plays away from somebody else. In the long term, you're definitely right. We saw that when Serial came out, and we definitely saw that when Spotify launched, because the hurdle for a lot of people was, I mean, Back in the old days, you had to download iTunes to your computer separately and then download podcasts and put them on an iPod. That was a big hurdle. And then you eventually had to start downloading Apple Podcasts to your phone. And then Apple made it a default. But then for everybody who's on Android or Windows phones or something, they had to figure out a way to get them. And it was just like there's a lot of hurdles to getting somebody to download multiple things and figure out a new a new workflow, I guess. And Spotify really opened that up. So we saw a ton of new people get into podcasting. Did you see that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle just got a show? Yes. So like there's people that are really into the royal family and kind of seeing what's going on. So if that's you, you're obviously going to listen to this podcast. Or avoid it completely because I don't, are they officially members of the royal family anymore? Well, I, depending on if you're Team Queen or Team Harry, yeah, I feel like they've been unroyal. Are they technically celebrities? Oh, they're definitely celebrities. 
I don't have any like special respect for the royalty. And I, I mean, we, we founded this country so we wouldn't have any, but <laughs> it just felt weird to say they're celebrities. I'm like, they're, there's definitely something different. I mean, they're no Paris Hilton. <laughs> the American royalty. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring it back to the numbers. I'll tell you this. Uh, let's let's take some guesses. What do you think the numbers did for the Buzzsprout platform overall from January of 2020 through November of 2020? Up, down, steady. Where do you think we are? At? Up 150%. Okay. Yeah, definitely up by like a lot, a lot. So it's up 132.4% for the year. So Alvin's pretty close there. And I, I think what's really interesting about this is this is like, it's a trailing indicator, right? When you start a new show, you don't have an audience and it takes time to build that audience. And so at the beginning of the year, Buzzsprout was close to 30,000 active podcasts and we're going to end the year close to 90,000. So platform wise overall, the number of active podcasts on platform has been a 3x increase and listenership, like number of downloads for episodes up to 132.4. But remember that is a trailing indicator. So what we think is in 21, that those numbers would be closer to matching the growth of the platform. So we think that would be closer to 300%. So you have to have patience when you launch a podcast. You're not going to launch immediately and start doing huge numbers. But you know, you get 10, 15 episodes in and you're being good about marketing your show and telling all your friends and family and fans to tell other people to listen to your show. Then those numbers start to pick up over time. But it's it's super. I think it's super exciting the number of people who are jumping in and starting to create good content. It feels more than ever, especially for people who have been podcasting for a few years, that the space is becoming really crowded. And um, it, it certainly is. If you're at, if you're used to a small group of friends, and then all of a sudden you go to a party with twenty people, that feels like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people here. But then you go to a sporting event, and there's eighty thousand people there. Like, what we have to remember is it's starting to feel crowded, but there are a lot of people in the world, and there's a lot of people who are looking for uh, entertainment or education or um, you know, whatever the reason that people have to search out a podcast and like compare it to what's happening in the YouTube space, the number of creators and channels there, uh, there's a massive opportunity. It's not too late to get into the game. It's not too late to grow an audience and talking about, oh, well, you know, there's already, you know, 1.5, 1.6 million podcasts in the Apple podcast directory alone. Don't let that discourage you. This is going to continue to grow for the next five, 10 years. If you're listening to the show, if you're interested in podcasting, you still have plenty of time to get in and make a space for yourself. Yeah. And Alvin, just as a quick plug, just did a great bonus episode of podcasting Q&A with our friend Colin Gray over at thepodcasthost.com talking about their new book on podcast growth and a lot of great strategies, things that I learned, like strategies that I learned from that uh, interview. So I'll leave a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and check out that bonus episode we put in the podcasting Q&A feed. Yeah, I mean, one of the things Colin and I discussed, um, I think I'm, I was quoting numbers from mypodcastreviews.com. I love seeing the, like, people talk about this top line podcasting number and they're like, oh, do you see like, there's 1.7 million podcasts now. And you hear that number and you go, oh my gosh, this is so big. What's the point? Why would I ever like, try to get in. And then uh, Daniel J. Lewis actually just does some basic. He's like, okay, do you hit these thresholds? Do you hit you've actually published something in the last 90 days? Do you also hit the ever published 10 episodes ever? 
I mean, he defines that as active. Like, is that a podcast that's actually doing anything? And did it ever hit this kind of moderate threshold of 10 episodes? He's like, if you hit both of those, we're now down to 600,000 podcasts. At least that number to me seems so much more manageable. I'm like, I'm only in a group of 600,000 people. And so if you were to sit there and say, I'm just going to commit to doing 50 episodes. I mean, we've been doing Buzzcast now for like two years. You could just say, we're going to do 40 episodes and we'll do it every two weeks. That goes by pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden you're actually like getting a, like a serious listenership. Part of it is that you're learning more and you're growing the podcast. But I think some of it's like you're just still around. You know, we forget how many podcasts pod fade and how many, you know, podcasters just realize or people are just creators and they go, oh, I, I have a YouTube channel. So I started a podcast. Yeah, YouTube's for me. And then they go back to YouTube or they start a podcast and then they find out blogging's more of their style. That's all great, but you're not in competition with them anymore because they're not putting out new content. And so there were, it still feels, at least to me, very wide open. Yeah. So if we think about the scale of the podcast ecosystem and creators specifically compared to other other channels or uh, uh, mediums, like com- we we talk we make the comparison a lot to YouTube because it's similar, but there are one points like the, the aggressive number in podcasting is like one point seven one point eight million podcasts. And as Albin said, if you if you try to narrow those down a little bit to active, you're going to cut that number in half easily. But let's compare that to some other channels. Let's talk about YouTube for a second. 37 million YouTube channels, conservatively. And th- this is not, I, I don't have inside access to anything. I literally, as Alvin was talking, I was typing into Google, how many YouTube channels are there? And the next one I typed in was, how many people are on Twitter? 330 million people on Twitter. So you decide, I'm going to invest in Twitter. I want to create a following. You're going to compete against 330 million people. The next one I searched for was, how many blogs are there? So maybe I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to start talking about my stuff or communicate my message that way. You're going to compete with 500 million blogs. But the point is, is like out of all these popular channels, YouTube's and YouTube and blog and Twitter and uh, TikTok, different ways to build following, get message out. Podcasting is still so tiny. And so in terms of competing against other people for quality content and being able to put a quality show, if you're putting out something of quality, there's massive opportunity for you in podcasting. Another one of the major themes from this past year was company acquisitions. It felt like, especially towards the beginning of the year, Spotify was buying up a bunch of companies and then Sirius XM got in the game, iHeartRadio got in the game. And so we saw a lot of consolidation and a lot of trends towards a couple of big groups kind of vertically integrating their their podcast ecosystem in a sense. Um, What were some of the bigger ones in your mind that stood out as far as being the most consequential for independent podcasters? I mean, to me, the big, the ones that mattered the most were Spotify purchasing Megaphone and getting Joe Rogan to go exclusive on the platform. Those were probably the two biggest ones. There's been a lot of smaller ones like iHeartMedia and uh, SiriusXM, which I think in normal times would be really, really big deals. The Spotify ones are massive and they do show Spotify, you know, trying to actually win this industry. Yeah. I think what happened with Spotify is 
um, they, they're just executing really well. And, and, you know, I think we do express some concern about how quickly they're moving, but it's, it's, it points back to how effective they've been. It's hard to criticize them for taking any missteps. The content that they've secured as exclusive content to their platform, the other platforms that they've purchased to fit in to control different or have at least influence on different segments of the podcasting space, it, it's been really smart. And I hope that uh, this turns out to be a positive thing for podcasting overall. And so I'm going to try to remain as optimistic as possible. But part of that optimism, it becomes a little bit easier for me to remain optimistic as we see other large entities expressing interest in podcasting as well. So Sirius and iHeart, they're, they're not small by any means. And they also have a really large interest in podcasting. And so that's exciting. Where things get scary is where we end up with a, you know, a YouTube, where if you are a video creator, you have to participate in that YouTube ecosystem or else you're really going to have a hard time finding any success. Yeah. We don't want that same thing to happen in podcasting. And so while Spotify is executing really well and seem to be firing on all cylinders and every move they make seems to be like, oh my gosh, that's so smart and that's so smart and that's so smart. That can be, become scary if they're the only ones doing it. And so I'm encouraged to see other you know big players also making moves and taking this platform seriously. And um, I, I do remain optimistic that there'll always be a place for independent creators doing their own thing. The, the analogy that I was thinking about the other day was when blogging started taking off in the early to mid 2000s, uh, there was a company that started blogger.com. At some point, Google was like, hey, blogging is taking off. There's this blogging platform that makes it really easy for people to create blogs. Let's go ahead and, and purchase that. And it was a, probably a smart acquisition. I imagine the numbers worked out for them. And a lot of people joined blogger. A lot of people started blogs. But overall, open independent blogging was not crushed or done away with. And other tools innovated and uh, presented more opportunities for people to have more creative control over their blog and what did they what they wanted to do with their blog. And today, Blogger is still around, but I, you know, it's inconsequential in terms of like closing down independent bloggers. What's done more damage is things like you know Facebook and TikTok and stuff like that. That's been more harmful to blogs than somebody coming in and saying we're going to control and own blogging. But you know what has sprung up in the wake of that is like you know, WordPress, like WordPress now powers 30 something percent of the entire internet. And you could, you know, if you were generous in your definition of a blog, you could say that those are pretty much all blogs. The vast majority of them are anyway. A lot of them are e-commerce storefronts and stuff too. But independent blogging was not shut down by Google coming in and saying, hey, we want to have a lot of control or a lot of power in this space. And, and so I'm starting to become more optimistic that what Spotify is doing, like there could be a silver lining on it. So, you know, after a rough year of me struggling with, gosh, what is Spotify's real intentions here? Uh, I want to end the year, at least in this episode on a positive note and say, hey, as independent creators, there's always options. And we've seen stuff like this happen in the past with blogging. And it doesn't necessarily mean bad things. It could mean good things. And so I'm going to, I'm going to end my year end take on Spotify and acquisitions and everything that happened in the space. I'm going to say, Hey, the space is growing. It's exciting. Of course, big players are going to come in and want to get involved. And I think it's great for us. I'm going to say, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Go podcasting. <laughs> Go podcasting. Well, and two specific stories give me more optimism towards the end of the year, specifically with Spotify than earlier in the year. That was when the uh, Mich Michelle Obama podcast went from being exclusive to Spotify to being distributed on an RSS feed across all the major podcast platforms. That was a big shift in their strategy. And then also with acquiring Megaphone, 
Megaphone hosts a couple of thousand really big podcasts, like top 1%, top 0.5% of podcasts. Um, a lot of those shows are on Megaphone. And so they've started shifting back, kind of course correcting back towards, well, what if we're just one of the larger players in the podcast ecosystem, and then we can just kind of be the dynamic ads monetization middleman for a lot of that ecosystem. Maybe that's a better strategy than trying to shoehorn everybody over to the Spotify app. Because as could probably be predicted, there has been a considerable amount of pushback against Joe Rogan going exclusive to Spotify from his existing audience saying, this deal isn't really working out for us. Like This is not as good as what we had before. To the point where Joe Rogan has had to address it on his podcast and say, I hear you guys, but I mean, $100 million is $100 million. So, you know, at some point, I got to feed my family too. You know, it might be steak every night, but I got to feed my family uh, <laughs> me. <laughs> that I that I killed with my bare hands on my private ranch I just bought in Texas, whatever it is. So it's, it is encouraging to see that there has been some pushback and there has been some course correction from Spotify back towards the open podcast ecosystem, uh, especially in light of what we're going to talk about next with uh, podcasting 2.0. And so, so I think big story, mergers and acquisitions happen in all industries. It's, it's a normal part of the company life cycle, right? You start a company, it gets to a place where you decide, do I want to get acquired? Do I want to stay independent? When does the math work out for me to sell? And with as much interest as been in podcasting, there were going to be bigger players that come in and try and buy their way in. It would be much more concerning if we didn't see any acquisitions happening in the podcasting space. Right. So the fact that 2020 was this year of a lot of really big acquisitions in the podcasting space, I think is super exciting. I would love to see another big player jump in. You know, we saw some interest from Amazon this year getting into podcasting. I'm interested to see what they want to do. I, I just hope that we don't see more acquisitions around locking up content. Yeah. I hope that's not the, the, the trend that continues. We saw a lot of that with Spotify this year. I hope they find other ways to grow their platforms and gain interest in podcasting without locking content to specific apps. So I can't think about the year of 2020 without thinking about uh, podcast index and the new podcast namespace and the work that we've done there, the contributions of Adam Curry and Dave Jones, bringing a bunch of people together in the podcast podcasting space, uh, you know, app developers and podcast hosts and creators. Um, we needed an independent third party to bring us all together and not look at each other as competitors, but to say, how can we better this industry by working together? So they did a great job of doing that. And a lot of good things have come out of that. So now we have a competitive directory to Apple podcasts. And again, I think, you know, we said this a couple episodes ago, not because Apple was doing anything wrong, but just because it's always good to have a backup of your backup. And so the podcast index provides that. And so if Apple has to change course or tighten restrictions around their directory for whatever reason, at any point, we now have a, a wonderful directory to fall back on that can power third-party apps and discover, give us the ability to still have full podcast catalogs. And then another thing that came out of that was the new podcast namespace, which Buzzsprout has been very excited about. And we've contributed a lot of conversations and code and have hooked up all the new tags that have been finalized. They were finalized on November 15th and we're going to continue to invest heavily in, in what they're doing because uh, we believe it's a really great way for independent podcasters and independent podcast apps and everybody who's operating in the space who doesn't have the backing of a huge company like Spotify or a massive production team or anything else 
to be able to get new features and get their content express themselves in different ways in different apps. And so things like uh, creator profiles, uh, location information, transcripts, sound bites, all that stuff is happening through the new podcast namespace. And so we're excited to be a part of it. And that's a huge win for podcasting in 2020. Kevin, real quick, can you explain in layman terms what a podcast namespace is and then how tags work? So we're not talking about like the tags that you can add when you upload a new episode in Buzzsprout. We're talking about a different kind of tags, right? Right. So podcasting is powered by uh, open podcasting anyway, is powered by RSS feeds. And if you ever look at an RSS feed, it might just look like a whole bunch of, you know, code, like you step into the matrix for a second, but it's actually very readable. If you just slow down and kind of read what's on that page and you'll see things like, you know, podcast colon title and podcast or iTunes colon title. The standard RSS spec has a bunch of elements defined and those are like titles and descriptions and enclosure tags. And then it's been extended by Apple years and years ago, I think in 2004 or five, they extended it with the iTunes namespace. And they said, let's add more things specifically for podcasters. So they added, you know, tags for artwork and tags for copyright and tag a couple other tags. They added stuff. And then they updated that um, just a couple years ago, I think in 2018, with things like what type of episode is this? Is this a full episode? Is it a bonus episode? They said, is this a, you know, the podcast overall? Is it a serial or is it an episodic? Since you know, Apple introduced their original iTunes namespace, and then they added a little bit more to it in 2018 there. It's been very slow and and no one's done a good job of bringing everyone together and saying, Hey, these are some new elements that we need in the, in the RSS feed that let's all agree on as um, podcasters, podcast hosting companies and app developers that they would, let's agree that they'll all be useful and let's all start using them and building tools around them. And so that's what the podcast index has been able to do as an independent group. They don't really have a dog in the fight. They're not a competitive hosting platform. They're not an app competing against other apps. They're just saying, because we're independent, because we're not competing with any of you, we're a good person or entity to, to bring all of you together and kind of moderate this process. And so that's what's happening. If you look in your RSS feed now from Buzzsprout, you're going to see some new tags, like you're going to see podcast colon transcript. Well, that wasn't there a year ago and it wasn't possible because we couldn't agree, all the people who are working in the podcasting industry couldn't agree on how are we going to put transcripts into the RSS feed. So having the podcast index moderate that process of talking, uh, giving us all a voice, giving us an opportunity to weigh in on the pros and cons of all the different approaches, the different ways we could do it, and then leading us down a path to where we can agree and say, this is good. This is what we're all going to do. This is the way to do it. Let's lock it in. Let's finalize it. And that process happened on November 15th. Now we have an official podcast namespace and we have like an official transcript tag and we have an official funding tag and we have an official soundbite tag. So again, none of this stuff in 2019, if you wanted to add a soundbite to your RSS feed, I mean, you could do it. It wouldn't break anything, but it wouldn't go very far either because no apps could use it. Nobody could point to a spec and say, this is, if we want to add soundbites to our app, this is how we do it. And now we have that. So huge progress. Well, and the benefit for podcast creators is that for the first time in quite a while, we're moving past the features and stuff that we as a podcast host can create. And now moving into what is possible with an audio show? Like what can you do to provide value, engagement, sharing tools with your listeners to make their experience better and to make your job as a podcast creator easier as well? And so in a very short amount of time, we have made a lot of progress in really transforming what is possible with a podcast. And so I think 2021 is just going to continue to march in that direction of really exploring how do we fix findability and searchability? How do we fix 
making podcasts accessible to hearing impaired listeners? How do we fix you know a lot of the the hurdles that podcasters have to deal with for monetization? And as the industry rallies around these standards and they become standards so that it's supported by listening apps across the board and by podcast hosts across the board, that's just going to make the playing field that much better for podcast creators. I mean, it's the needed counterpoint to what Spotify and a lot of other companies are doing where they're, they are controlling the app, controlling the creation part. They're controlling you know, the technology up and down the full stack of podcasting. And what that allows Spotify to do is it's not every month now we see some like Spotify's testing video slash audio podcasts, Spotify's testing Q&A features, Spotify's testing a new podcast thing. I mean, now I've been doing this, been in podcasting for six years, and I can only think of two times that we've ever added new tags to the RSS spec. Um, Apple did it a few years ago, and then the podcast index added some just recently. And I think that this is needed, that we don't just have a lot of talk about, oh, well, the independent space could develop this. Well, if that's the promise, then we need to start delivering on that promise to show people the value of the podcast industry still being open. Or else people are just going to say, yeah, I hear all the reasons why it'd probably be better that way. But Spotify has got this new cool feature that I want to use. Sirius XM has this new monetization feature that I want to use. It doesn't make sense to me anymore to kind of buy into this open ecosystem that hasn't really moved forward. So I think that the podcast index and what they're doing, this was really needed, especially if podcasting is going to remain open. And I'm very encouraged by how quickly they've actually been able to get some tags implemented. Tom has been a big part of it and being involved. Um, But it's exciting to see podcast apps actually start adopting these tags and using them in interesting ways. Maybe it did take somebody like Spotify to come in and say, hey, maybe I'll just fix all these problems for you. And everyone's like, no, 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 we could do it ourselves to actually get (laughs) the industry a little bit pushed in the right direction. So we just rolled out a feature that I hope everybody appreciates as much as I do, because I've been asking this and kind of lobbying for it for a while. We have a way for people to set up their websites on custom domains. So that's like a website that you purchased off Hover. And now you have like mypodcastwebsite.com. And you want the podcast website that we build to actually be there. One of the downsides to that for a while was that those were never secure, or at least it said not secure up in the URL box. And it's kind of jarring for listeners sometimes. It's actually kind of a negative ranking indicator for Google. So those sites weren't ranking as highly. And while it's really nice to brand your website, I know that was turning a lot of people off from actually using the Buzzsprout website as their go-to site for their podcast. So what we just rolled out is Buzzsprout now is getting SSL certificates for all of those websites so that now when you go to your website on mywebpodcastwebsite.com and the Buzzsprout stuff shows up there, it's secure. You get the green little lock up in the URL bar and it's really nice. Your podcast website will actually load faster because it's using a different protocol and you're going to rank higher in Google. 
it's a pretty big deal. I mean, for me, it was always a difficult sell to say, use the Buzzsprout podcast website on your own domain until that was there. And now that that's there, I really think like for 80% of podcasts, this is probably the right way to go. And I'm super excited about this feature. Yeah, it looks like a small thing, but it's actually a lot of work to get that set up. So big thanks and shout out to uh, the technical team at Buzzsprout for getting that done, Brian and Tom, uh, John, and we uh, another Brian. I think all of them touched that project at various points. And big shout out to Albin too, because you pushed really hard to make this happen for all of our podcasters. So it, it sounds small, but it is a really big deal. And it should be a huge win if you use a custom domain with your Buzzsprout site. So very exciting update for those people using custom domains, uh, which also leads me to uh, a user who requested this feature while it was in development. I want to mention James Cridland has a new podcast that we are proud to be hosting on Buzzsprout. It is called Podland. You can check it out at podland.news, which points to a Buzzsprout site and it is secure. Uh, so he does that podcast with uh, his, his buddy, Sam Sethi, and they t- it's another podcast about podcasting. So if you enjoy Buzzcast, you might enjoy Podland as well. So we encourage you to check it out. As we're wrapping up, we, we wanted to give you a little Christmas goodie uh, before we go. A hint, an encouragement that if you want to unwrap an early Christmas present next week, you need to be in our Facebook group, the Buzzsprout Podcast Community. Uh, how, do, how do we tell people what it is without telling them what it is? Uh, there's an exciting new feature coming to Buzzsprout, and we think it's going to be, uh, we think it's good. I mean, it's it's been a huge undertaking. It's a very exciting feature. And it's one of those features that is super complex on the back end. So we need to let people in slowly to make sure that nothing breaks as, uh, as people start using it. And so if you would like to help us out and be one of those early users to get access and, and test things out for us, make sure everything works as it should, please jump into our Facebook group. We'll do a post there at some point next week, hopefully, if everything stays on schedule and, uh, and give you early access. We don't want to say too much about what it is until we, until we drop it and start marketing it appropriately. Uh, only cause timetable shift and we don't want to set expectations that we can't reach, but, um, but things are looking really good so far. We already have a couple of people using it and they are really excited about it. It's a very powerful tool. Um, so hop in the Facebook group to learn more. Yes. It may or may not give you more flexibility in how you manage your podcast episodes and, uh, doing promotions of various sorts. <laughs> I feel like knowing what the feature is, Travis, that was probably too big of a hint. But uh, yeah, if anyone wants to come over to the Facebook group, uh, I think that's probably where we'll announce it. Or at least that's where we'll kind of get our next batch of beta users. Yeah. So if you're an early adopter, if you like testing things, if you don't mind having access to a tool one day and maybe not the next, <laughs> hop in over there because uh, we need your help. That was it for 2020. I'm not going to miss this year too much. There have been some good moments. There's been some bad moments, but mostly more on the bad side. On, be positive. I, I mean, I, I'm positive that I'm thankful that it's going to be 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will see you guys in the new year. Thanks for being little listeners, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.